Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 54 of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I am Pastor Mark. And today we will be diving into a topic that has to do with one of the most important doctrines of the Christian faith, and that is the doctrine of God's grace. Uh, We can think of many verses, I'm sure, from different passages of Scripture that have to do with God's grace. Just this past Sunday, I was able to preach on Ephesians chapter 2, which is arguably the premier passage on grace. Um, So I made several points about the sort of a holistic view of God's grace and how Paul tells us what salvation is all about by telling us what we are saved from and then what we are saved for and what we are saved by, which is by grace, and what we are saved to do. Uh, And so sort of been reflecting a little bit more on my sermon, Mark and I wanted to uh, talk about the idea of grace and particularly how grace uh, is, on the one hand, extremely important in the way that we live and the way that a church uh, grows and develops and and loves one another, Mm -hmm. but it's also something that can go quite wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I can just think of one passage uh, off the top of my head from Romans, where Paul is making the argument in in chapter five about uh, when when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, and then he starts chapter six, the next verse, saying, "So d- what does this mean then? Should this mean that we just go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. Mm-hmm. But what you see there is that it could very easily be construed. Grace is something that can very easily be construed to be a license for sin, and so we also want to talk about some of the the dangers of when grace can go wrong, when it's misunderstood, and then because of that, misapplied. Yeah, there are um, issues in the evangelical church for sure concerning the uh, under not just the understanding of God's grace towards us, which often we forget and revert into kind of a cold legalism, um, thinking that maybe we really could do certain things to mm-hmm. earn God's favor. Um, but most of this episode is going to be horizontal in focus. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll think less during this episode about the grace that we have in salvation, the work of Christ being so gracious, um, the means of grace basically applied to us. It's it's the work of Christ that earned our salvation. But really we'll be thinking about how we live together in the church. Um, is your church, um, is the church that Zach and I pastor, a church full of biblical grace. Hmm. Um, And the word kind of requires that modifier on the beginning, that it should be biblical grace in nature, because um, there are a lot of misunderstandings of what grace looks like. Is it just, like Zach said, permissiveness, um, kind of a hippie attitude towards uh, people living their life, we're just going to be gracious and l- turn the other way, look the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, no, that's not a biblical grace. Um, that's actually unkind to, to do that. While at the same time, being very evidently forgiving, merciful, encouraging, joyful, gentle, kind, all of those things should be seen in a church. And uh, grace is kind of at the root of each of those spiritual gifts. So, um, so we're going to think first about uh, how churches might get this wrong and not being gracious enough, um, not being places where yeah. the the person can stumble in to church not who is not a believer yet and is going to experience a a community. And the question is, what kind of community will that be? Um, and I don't know, think we have to give all kinds of examples to to realize that it's not always a gracious community that that person experiences. Hmm. Um, and so, obviously, the encouragement in Scripture is going to be to be welcoming, to be uh, gracious, merciful, kind, hospitable uh, to that person who is struggling in some way. It's interesting to consider, I think, also that it's true that a church, a single local congregation, can at one and the same time be both too gracious and not gracious enough in in different ways um but we yeah we do want to think about how churches lack grace and i think that's a good place to start uh, especially for for newcomers people who are who are new to a church we we pastor a church that's been here for now over 40 years uh and so we've had several we have we have several different generations represented in our church um, there have been people who have been here since the very beginning, mm-hmm. founding members, and so there can be uh, difficulty for for new people who show up and 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 are learning sort of the ways of the church, how the church sort of operates, how people relate, and who's related to who. This can be a difficult place for grace to be found if you don't sort of come from mm. uh, the Ripon culture, perhaps, or uh, you're not, um, you don't look like other people, you don't dress like other people, it can be difficulty, so, or a, a difficulty to sort of to find yourself and fit in um, in this church. And I suspect that this is not just our church. This is very, very many churches, especially churches that are not necessarily new churches mm-hmm. or young churches. Um, or churches with a, a more particular cultural expression you might say Hmm. um and so if if somebody doesn't fit right in with that cultural expression uh right away then it could it could at least be perceived as a graceless congregation um Hmm. sometimes perception and reality are two different things in this regard a fair point um but where there is like in ripon there it's a rural feel to it. It's actually more of a suburban town, but it's definitely a rural feel mm-hmm. in this town. And so if, say, somebody comes in being a more urban, uh, just kind of more plugged into things like fashion and culture mm-hmm. and in a big city, they could experience, which I don't think would be quite fair, but they could experience a graceless community mm-hmm. just assuming that they, they're so different that they could never fit in. Um, yeah. some of that could be legitimate and maybe they would feel ostracized um, because of not looking or mm-hmm. dressing like mm-hmm. a lot of the local people do. Um, but 
uh, some of that could just be perception as well. Right. And so grace will be needed on on both the yeah, newcomer. Both sides, yeah. uh, the, the newcomer will need to be gracious, realizing that, yeah, I may have my differences and that may take may take some time for us to work out and I need to be gracious with, with other people as as they sort of learn how to interact with me. And I would hope that that members who have been a part of our church would also be mm-hmm. extremely gracious going the other way. Um, now, this doesn't mean we completely uh, let our guards down, so to speak, or, um, or that we just, you know, have no sort of expectations for Christians in our congregation, uh, but it also means that we should we should not be so quick to to judge, um, and so there's there's grace that needs to be extended mm-hmm. both ways. And if if all parties consider themselves followers of Christ, then grace needs to be on the forefront of their minds. Yeah, two things come to mind. Um, firstly, when thinking about church, I would hope that every person would at least spend a few seconds preparing for church, thinking about grace. Just about being a gracious, uh, hospitable, kind, attentive person to what is happening around you. Like, hmm. uh, whether that's in the car on the way, to just pause for a moment. I, I find that that often helps me to just get proactively thinking in a gracious way. When I encounter people, I want to bless them today. Yeah. Um no matter what they look like or no matter what issues we've had in the past, it is going to be partly my job at church to bless others. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of kind of the more consumeristic approach to church, mm-hmm. which which is going to turn into a hypercritical attitude. Yeah. And so that's kind of what is hopefully happening in the church setting. But maybe where we need to spend a little bit more time is thinking outside of church, how the Christian hmm. thinks um, goes about their day. I think that it's very possible that people are nice at church. Yeah. And cause it's church. It's, you're sort it's of churchy. turned on at yeah. church. You, you know, you, yeah. you have your game plan. And <laughs> you want to, you want to be a good person. Yeah. You're church. dressed up a little bit. So you feel good. You feel right. like, uh, you sing some songs that are about grace or you hear a sermon that is, uh, pointing you to the Lord. And so you need to be more spiritually minded in that place. Mm-hmm. And, but then I think of, I think of the person who then goes home and notices that their neighbor painted their door a different color and it's a color that you think is too bright and just how angry that makes you. Um, or some other little thing goes wrong. Um, you go on vacation and the airline uh, is, is you know does some unpredictable thing um, and is there a gracious attitude mm-hmm. towards that like i mean this happens or to to us in various ways i mean Mm -hmm. as airlines are doing all kinds of crazy (laughs) things lately um and it was we had a frustrating airline experience Hmm. so how am i going to treat that person that i talk to that is working for this airline and has nothing to do with the problem yeah how am i going to engage that situation am i going to be a person of grace and kindness patience um, or is that church me mm-hmm. going to get flipped off and uh, the the natural <laughs> sinful self, the flesh, comes out mm-hmm. to the surface? Um, those are just two little examples. But I think there are a lot of Christians living life in a certain way. Um, 
<laughs> I'll give an example too of uh, my dad had an experience. Um, he works in sales and um, ended up was going to do some deal with another person in the Christian Reformed bubble in the western suburbs of Chicago. Hmm. And um, they knew each other, um, actually knew each other fairly well. And my dad was going into this thinking, you know, it's going to go pretty well. But hmm. this guy was a absolute tyrant to deal hmm. with in the workplace. I mean, he was harassing my dad, calling to, you better deliver on that promise. You, I'm going to make, you know, like, Whoa. like it was so in your face that my dad is like totally lost all respect for this guy. Basically, he was, hmm. he was a Jekyll and Hyde, you know, at church, super yeah. nice guy. Great to be around hmm. in the workplace. This guy was, you know, uh, Mussolini basically. Wow. Um, and, and so. I have mentioned occasionally in sermons, like I hope that is not happening in our church, where yeah. people would come and seem very nice to me. We're the we're pastors, so oh, yeah, we see the best. <laughs> they they talk to us, <laughs> they sure. clean the house up, you know, uh, put all the bad movies away before we, mm-hmm. you know, come over or something, and um, and it all looks good when we're there, but then when something when somebody doesn't deliver on a business promise, hmm. there is absolute hell to pay, hmm. um, and and so that's kind of the question we're getting at the first part of this episode is can you live with some grace um doesn't mean that you have to be a hippie and just permissive and anything Mm -hmm. goes and there's no standards but is there at least a little bit of understanding that complicated things happen in the world yeah and yeah we got to live together part of having grace i think is having a good imagination Hmm. trying to imagine imagine other scenarios and what other people are thinking. It takes a sort of moral imagination or a personal imagination to sort of see, think things like, you know, I don't know what's going on in this person's life that's causing them to act this way today. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've just been having a really hard day where everything's gone wrong. I, I can remember once, actually, also, it was a time of flying. I was at the airport. It was the morning after my dad suddenly passed away in 2015. Mm. And... I was a little bit frazzled, as you might expect, and I'm getting at the airport really early in the morning because he died at night, and I was on the East Coast flying home to the West Coast, and so I was quite tired as well, hadn't slept well, obviously, mm-hmm. and the I had some questions. I was confused about things, and I was talking with the lady at the, check, the baggage check-in spot. Uh, from my airline and she was being really rude with me and I've not really experienced this other times I've mm. done I've flown usually people are pretty fine but uh, she was really rude and she was getting upset with me and my questions that I had for her and I just sort of remember wanting to say what had happened and tell her my yeah. my story um, and so having that sort of imagination just sort of to think maybe this person doesn't mean what they did the, to to hurt me or maybe they they have other reasons for doing it that are reasons beyond what I could understand and when we when we have that sort of mm-hmm. idea of you know I don't what I don't know what's gone on in this person's life I don't know um, what's causing them to do this or to do that or to act this way or to respond to different things in this way when we have that sort of immoral imagination I think it can really help us mm-hmm. to understand people. Um, or to at least be sympathetic to them. First um, Corinthians 13 tells us that love believe, believes all things and hopes all things. And I think that means we, we try to see each other in the best light possible. 
Um, I think maybe this is a little easy for me because my mom modeled this so well in my life. Um, my mom was a kindergarten teacher and she had a lot of kids that were pretty troublesome kids. Um, but she was always so good to say, I don't know what goes on in this kid's house. And so I want to love this kid. And she would often just, even with my friends who some of my friends would be rough around the edges and other, I can, I knew that other parents of other friends, parents didn't like certain friends of ours, um, in our friend group. And my mom was always so welcoming to the friends that were a little bit harder to deal with. Uh, whenever they'd come over to the house and she always just wanted to see the best in every person Mm. and this helped her be a very gracious woman and so i think i've learned a lot and i think what we're trying to say here too is we're trying to encourage a certain attitude Mm -hmm. or disposition in in christians of of graciousness or of gentleness of kindness meekness so those sorts of fruits of the spirit um we can't all just out of nowhere immediately become these sorts of <laughs> gracious people. Yeah. It takes work, uh, but it takes, I think, depending on, on God, depending on Christ for his grace. And so there's a vertical aspect to this too. We are recipients of grace. We are recipients of God's kindness and forgiveness to us in Christ. And because of that, mm. that should transform our relations horizontally with the people we encounter day to day, whether that's church family who can be difficult to deal with sometimes um, or whether that's our neighbors, people in our schools and our workplaces and so on. Yeah. We, I think of the older brother in the prodigal son, you know, just that, that guy who can't go into the party because the younger son just squandered that inheritance and a good example. He, he can't get over it. I think that in the church there are there are many older brothers who, um, mm. you know, they would say, I've slaved for you, God, for all this these years, and you've never even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. Mm. And um, and uh, what what that ends up producing is kind of a self-judgment. Judgment, judgmentalism mm. is more so about removing yourself from relationship with other people than just casting them away. Um, I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, judge not lest ye be judged. He's saying, if you live your life in judgmentalism, if you live a graceless life, you will remove yourself from Hmm. countless relationships, from churches, um, from all kinds of amazing, complicated situations that Hmm. the Lord calls you to go into. Um, So that party for the prodigal son was a emotionally complicated situation, hmm. but um, the older brother removed himself from it. He just couldn't handle it because of his gracelessness. And hmm. so, you know, I, I think overall this episode, we do want to encourage that grace, graciousness. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think of situations that where people probably need more grace. I mean, we've had, a very difficult, every church has had a difficult 18 months because of COVID and every leader has Mm. wrestled with what to do about COVID and where churches have been very gracious in trusting their leaders, that has actually been a a good experience. And so Mm. overall in our own church, we've been pretty encouraged by people who often really trust our leaders and don't really want to wear masks, but say, yep, it, it does seem like, maybe a thing that we Hmm. should do. Um, And so 
that grace has really been a blessing to Zach and I as pastors yeah. over the last 18 months. Um, but oh, yeah. there, there are going to be those who sort of lack, like what you said, the moral imagination of, of all of the wrestling that has gone into this decision and it's just not what I want to do. And so yeah. where they're going to be upset, be kind of less, And it could be anybody, gracious. right? There could yeah. be somebody, we could think of the, On ma- either side the, the of whole the masking yeah. debacle that I think we're still sort of going through in some ways. <laughs> it's coming back. Um, <laughs> it's coming back. Delta's on the rise. Um, some people are get really upset that there's even anything on the books about m- wearing masks at all. And then there's other people on the far opposite end who are yep. very upset that masks aren't fully required and mm-hmm. that that's not entirely uh, enforced. Mm-hmm. And so they're needs to be and it's okay to hold those positions but i think we need to hold these positions in good faith of one another Uh, we need to be gracious and i think part of this too is that for me i i I guess i have a very strong sense that being a part of a church is very good for me especially when my church is diverse in the way it thinks about things Mm -hmm. um now of course there's there's bounds to, there's limits to that. I don't want to go to a church where anything goes. If some people believe that Jesus isn't God and some people do, that's, that's obviously, that would be a problem. But part of what's, what's so good about being a part of a local church being a member of a church is that people disagree. And mm-hmm. so I have to learn to, to deal with family members. Uh, it's the same way that we have to all deal with our own siblings for those mm-hmm. of us who have them. Um, we're not going to all see things eye to eye and that's okay. And so it's not that I'm compromising all the time by being a member of a church where people disagree and do things differently than I do, but it's just, I, we should all have a sense that it's good for me to, to be around people who see things differently. Mm-hmm. Even if what I, even if I think the way they see things is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say that I'm, I, I want to go back to what I was saying about graciousness and having that imagination for others. I don't always do this perfectly. Mm. Um, and so I don't say this from a position of, Hey, look, everybody, you should be like me. I think I'm still very much learning as well to, to be a more gracious person. Well, and the question I think overall is, do you engage people? I think the person who is filled with grace will be, will engage others. Yeah. And so this isn't just permissiveness to like, Oh, sin doesn't matter. But it is. It does say, I see this in your life. This is. This seems like a big problem. I'm going to engage this person with grace. Let's work this out. Mm-hmm. Here's this thing that I see, um, or I, I heard you say something that sounded really racist. What is that about, man? Like we need to talk about that. Yeah. I, I don't think that's judgmentalism. That's engaging the person. It's moving towards them hmm. with a desire to see this person. Uh, maybe I misunderstood that, and it just sounded. Mm-hmm. really off to me but maybe this person actually does struggle with some racist attitudes and i need to i need and to approach that person that approach that confrontation that seeking for a conflict resolution is itself a gracious act yeah i think we may think graciousness is permissiveness that is absolutely wrong and we'll look at that here in a mm-hmm. second um, the sort of flip side of i mean when maybe grace goes wrong but i think reaching out to somebody is the gracious thing to do, not in judgment. Yeah, uh, we have to be tactful in how we approach that sort of thing. 
But sometimes I think I, I get the feeling we sort of like having people who disagree with us because it <laughs> sort of makes us feel more like morally superior. Mm. And so we don't want to change yeah. their minds. We just want to basically condemn them and write them off. There's some drama, sort of drama seeking that might happen <laughs> there. Like, uh, like you get stirred up and yeah. And that's why people like to watch the news a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just so much better than those people yeah. who just don't see it yep. as clearly as I do. And so, so by actually confronting yeah. something head on graciously doing so, um, I think that's actually an act of grace. One of my big points in the sermon this past Sunday was that grace transforms. So mm-hmm. Grace is not just permissive. It's not just keep going ahead and doing what you're doing because I'm gracious with you. It is <laughs> God's grace with us transforms us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it makes us into new people. He makes us into new people by, uh, by his grace. Yeah. And so we too need to actually engage with others. And maybe if we do confront somebody and we think our position is right and theirs is wrong, we may learn, oh, actually, there's a better way of seeing mm-hmm. seeing this whole thing. Um, so when it comes to the masking thing, maybe people will realize, oh, my position is not exactly right. And so I can trust someone else. Yeah. That's kind of what it boils down to is yeah. a graceless person probably doesn't really feel like they can trust very many people. Hmm. Um, and so, that, so we've spent most of the time on this episode talking about encouraging graciousness and uh, yep. um, mercy, forgiveness. Uh, that First Corinthians, again, uh, another part of that is love keeps no record of wrongs. And so that's sort of our encouragement overall to the listeners of the podcast here. But there is an abuse of grace that um, is often seen in evangelical churches. Uh, we just gave the review of Jesus and John Wayne, and that book is very full of examples of uh, real examples, things that happen in the world. It's not an exaggeration in the book of situations where there has been some sin in a church or in um, kind of even broader Christian culture. If there's like a leader who has very been very influential and and hmm. a, a problem has occurred. And Christians, at times, if they're sort of, if that person who has committed that sin is in our camp, to be very dismissive of that person's sin and to continue following, pretend nothing happened, sweep it under the rug, and let's just move on because this person has done a lot of other good things, and so let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and move on and you know this person can still preach and lead a ministry and and all of those things and that is an abuse of grace that we also want to confront in this episode a little bit yeah so this has been a problem as i noted at the top of this episode since the time of the apostles the apostles were were well aware Mm -hmm. of a you could say a vulnerability to the doctrine of grace of god's grace um, now, if we say that the biblical doctrine of God's grace, I think we we can get around that vulnerability. True grace doesn't isn't vulnerable to being misapplied, but when it's misunderstood, um, we can see it being misapplied. So what I'm trying to say here is that the apostles basically knew that if they didn't teach a holistic vision of what God's grace is, uh, it could very easily lead to people abusing God's grace as a justification for their sin. So, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, Romans 5, the end of chapter 5, right into the beginning of chapter 6, Paul is addressing that tendency. 
Uh, but also there's a passage from Jude, which I'll let you read, Mark. Yeah, Jude 4 is really the the most pointed confrontation yeah. I can think of about this kind of situation. Again, the situation is a leader or a person has sinned and people are ready to just kind of put them right back up front. Well, we're a people of grace. Yeah, just sweep the, it under the rug, yeah, this ignore person it. Is, they, they say that we should be a, a gracious community, and so let's just forget about what they've done. And so Jude verse 4 says, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. And um, I, I appreciate... Uh, hmm. I appreciated going to the prisons. I uh, um, had uh, quite a few black friends in the prison, and in the black community, um, there's a term for this. They say bringing the name of Jesus into an open shame. Hmm. You know, it's it, they use hmm. that bring the name into an open shame, like that. It brings the name of Christ into an open shame. Yeah. If there's this person doing this thing, maybe they're even still engaged in. Um, some greedy behavior, some uh, hmm. sexual impropriety. Um, they just don't really seem to care, and they're just up there. Um, they're abusing God's grace, and the the effect of that is to shame the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Jude verse 4 is referring hmm. to. Yeah, so one of the interesting questions which has been on the, the forefront of many people's minds in recent years with the church two movement mm. um and much more recently with the mars and hill or mars hill the rise and triumph or rise and fall sorry <laughs> rise I'm, getting, and triumph. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting carl truman's books mi- <laughs> mixed up with the episode or the podcast uh but the rise and fall of mars hill with yeah. the obviously the big story about mark driscoll um which people are talking about all over these days. The Tullian Chavidian. Yeah, the Tullian Chavidian well. case would be a big one. Ravi Zacharias. Yeah. Uh, there's there's plenty more. And Jesus and John Wayne actually does a good job sort of cataloging the history of these in one of the final chapters of that book. Yeah. Uh, but how much grace do we give to a fallen leader? That's a question that many people are wondering today. And it's a tough question. Um, and what does grace look like mm-hmm. for a fallen leader? Does it mean, okay, take six weeks off and do some soul searching and then you can come back to to preaching? Um, mm. How do we deal with with a fallen leader? I, I think those are questions we're, we're all asking. And really what these questions are getting at is the heart of grace. Mm. What does grace look like? Um, yeah, and to me it has to it has mostly to do with the name of Christ and so uh, I like to use a very specific example I, I would guess that many of our podcast listeners are also listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill mm-hmm. to think of a guy like Mark Driscoll as uh, someone who was um, quite manipulative I would even say abusive of mm-hmm. uh, emotionally verbally abusive of people um, in his congregation people in the leadership there um, can that man go and be a pastor again yeah. Um I I I believe that he is, is a pastor again. He is a pastor right now in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. Um and uh it wasn't even all that long. I think it was maybe about 3 or 4 years between the fall of Mars Hill and his effort to start 
to plant another church. Yeah, I'm not sure how long it was. It, it's been going now for a handful a couple of years, of years already. Yeah. No, it's, and it fell apart in 2014, right? So, um, so should Mark Driscoll be a pastor of a church right now? No, he should not be a pastor of a church right now. So why do you why do you think that? I'm not saying I agree or disagree yeah. necessarily. Well, the nature of his his issue was that he needed to be more mature in his faith. I think that that keeps coming through in in that storyline. And so yeah, for those maybe who aren't listening to that podcast, um <laughs> there there were <laughs> some very significant abuses of authority um both some financial um uh, mm-hmm. mis sort of uh misappropriation of funds in, in various ways yeah, uh, promoting his book with church you, with church finances you know people giving their tithe and it goes to promote mark driscoll's mm-hmm. book things like that happening um and the nature of those was, was quite uh profound i would say and it revealed something about his mature his christian maturity and his um, his sense for what a pastor should even be doing anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a long time to unpack and dismantle, deconstruct uh, some of those things if we want to be <laughs> in line a little bit with them, some deconstructionists. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do think that he needed to do some work of deconstruction of yeah. as his of his identity, um, which was seemed to be often built on his, his pride, his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some growing up a little bit just my prescription from listening to hmm. rise and fall of mars hill for mark driscoll at this point would be take 15 years to just be a member of a church yeah and you're not up front yep. and um you're not speaking at conferences you're, you're not gonna go and, and be the guy for, for a long time yep. and the reason is not to shame him to rub his nose and um, you know this crap that is that he produced, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but to say the name of Christ matters more than your name, and so you're not going to have an ability to shame Christ's name again, like what happened in Seattle in 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to, to add on to that, I would I would sort of agree that there should there should be a long hard look and sort of there should have been elders in place to have said something like that. Part of the issue is that from what I know, Mark was never really accountable to his elders yeah, and uh, basically took off for a new city, moved down to Arizona from, from Seattle and started a new church. And it's not a part of any denomination Mm -hmm. or really any organization that I know of. It it could be a part of some sort of parachurch organization, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. Um, But, it seems that he just sort of fled and restarted everything anew. Um, maybe he's learned a few lessons. I hope he has. Um, but yeah, it seems like he just went back and re restarted the, the whole thing. And I think there, what, what should have taken place is that there should have been people who sort of disallowed him to do that. Mm. Um, but this is part of the problem of American religion. Mm, mm-hmm. Even if one of us, who's as part of a strong denomination with a strong structure, mm-hmm. um, if we were put under discipline, we were removed from office, we could theoretically move to a new town, start a new church, mm-hmm. and start over again. Um, 
and have no shackles, you know, put mm-hmm. on us. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the the problem of the American sort of consumeristic <laughs> landscape of evangelicalism mm-hmm. is that we can just go and do that sort that's of thing. That's kind of how cults are formed in yeah, a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that that is an unfortunate part of the story. Um, and a lot of it has to do with impatience, I think. Hmm. And so grace, uh, for somebody yeah. to say, like Mark Driscoll, okay, use him as an example again. Like, I don't want to absolutely count out the transformative power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in his life. Yeah, absolutely and, and not, so, right, yeah. And so to say never, never again could you get in front of a group of people, Mark Driscoll, and open the Bible and tell them, teach them what it says. I, I don't want to go that far to say that. But I do want to say, let's be very patient hmm. in how that will play out. So yeah. I think impatient people, um, they, they just want to, well, grace grace is real, and so it must be applied to me immediately and fully right now yeah. so I can just go and get back up there right away. That's an interesting point that you make, the immediacy of grace. Yeah. We have a doctrine of grace as Protestants that often tends towards just immediate grace. Which in Paul terms of justification, immediate it is. grace, yeah. right. And yeah. so that's where we sort of think, but we don't think about the long-term sanctifying effects of grace over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's really insightful. I hadn't really thought about that um, prior to this. Yeah, so. that it, it might take time. Let's be a restorative community. Mm-hmm. Let's care for this person who's made the mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would want for somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want people to love me care for me listen yeah um and uh but also as a minister um you know if i was using people's ties to tie boost your book sales. to boost, boost my book book sales um you know and it was like a significant i think it was over a hundred thousand dollars it was, was a massive of amount of money um then i would probably recognize that maybe I shouldn't be doing this job for at least a while, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that's happening, I would hope that people would love and care for me and not just sort of cast yeah. me away. And so I think that's that's really where we want to fall with this episode is to say there's a, a nice middle ground between casting away your neighbor who paints their door the wrong color mm-hmm. or your pastor that uh, makes a mistake from time to time, mm-hmm. which we do, we sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken and said things that are inconsiderate, prideful, mm-hmm. um, unhelpful in to people in conversation or in a council meeting or in a mm-hmm. ministry setting. I do that and I'm glad that people are forgiving of me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it would not be good for either of us either if there was no accountability. Yeah, And we could just, you know, do whatever be, and, mm-hmm. and people would just be, kind of like that hippie attitude just blindly mm-hmm. okay with whatever the the pastor wants to be up to over there yeah um, and so I, I think that's where we want to fall with the episode and i think the mark driscoll example is actually a really interesting one it's kind of beating a dead horse i suppose but it's something that i think a lot of our audience will be familiar with and so therefore it's useful in that regard um I think today there's there's maybe even a lot of reaction with the whole uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast is that people, it's basically like cancel culture taken to somebody who fails in a big way, mm-hmm. somebody who sins in a big way, especially leaders. And so um, we, we are supposed to hold leaders to high 
to high standards, of course, they are to be above approach. That's sort of what we have signed on to mm-hmm. um, in becoming pastors and what elders do as well. Um, but I think a lot of people have this sense of like, yeah, we need to cancel Mark Driscoll. Basically, mm-hmm. we need For to sure. like write him off completely. We can't, we can't even like touch his books. Um, we, I think in the we, first episode, some guy was like, I platformed Driscoll. Yeah, that it was, was yeah. Like, he felt so bad about having anything to do with yeah, Mark. Yeah, so we want to like sort of wipe our hands clean of having anything to do with Mark Driscoll. And that's that's not gracious either. Mm. And I don't know what, what uh, Mars Hill's elders did. I know that they weren't, as the episode, or all the podcast makes clear, that the elders weren't really effective enough in reining in <laughs> yeah. Driscoll. Some tried. But I, w- yeah. I would hope that people did desperately try to reach out to say to tell him, we don't think this whole planting a new church in Arizona thing is a good idea, Mark. We actually think you should take a step back for a long time and do a long, hard look at yourself and grow in faith and in maturity mm-hmm. um, and do a different, totally different line of work Uh, commit your life to something else and we're going to help you walk through that that's what grace would have looked like um Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. ultimately not you can't prevent somebody from flying the coop and and going somewhere else yeah uh and doing that but grace shouldn't have been you know what you did all these things you're done you're out and we're never talking to you again yeah even excommunication biblically speaking is not the equivalent of canceling somebody yeah um, it is saying we're going to treat you like a Gentile and tax collector, which means that we we're need still to going evangelize to, you. to you. We're going to evangelize you. We want yeah. to share the gospel with you yeah. and see God's grace transform your life. Um, and so, with with Driscoll or with any leader who sins, or even a lay member as well, mm-hmm. grace doesn't mean we just permissively let you do what you're doing and keep doing it because you know God loves you. It also doesn't mean you're done and we're basically hmm. going to put you in spiritual prison and you're 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 done for. You could just wait to die uh, and that's it. It means yeah. we're going to walk with you through this. This is going to be hard. There will be consequences. Uh but we we seek your spiritual well-being. Hmm. Uh, we consider your interests above our own. And so that that is sort of I think a more helpful a more holistic view on God's grace. Yeah, hopefully we want to be just wrapping up in communities that are close-knit communities, and uh, that will involve a lot of grace, but also real accountability. Yeah. Um, and I think that that relational closeness is uh, not just with the Lord, of course, but with one another. That's kind of what we want to get get to in this episode, is that we are called to live in community, which will involve massive amounts of grace and real accountability, especially if uh, somebody is really struggling in a sort of a, with a repeated mm-hmm. sin in a certain way that we notice, and it's our duty as mm-hmm. fellow believers to graciously come to that person, not to come down on them, but to say, let's work this out together. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at your life. I want to I want to be accountable to you. I want you to be accountable to me. Hopefully this is happening in marriages. Mm-hmm. It's happening with Christian friendships. It's happening, parent, children, um, grandparents, grandchildren, that there is real relationship happening that is really built on Christ's grace towards us. Yeah, exactly. And so we also have to be willing to allow somebody to speak yeah, into our lives. We do. And that's very, very difficult and hard, but 
it's necessary. It's a necessary part of the Christian walk. All right. So thank you for listening, everyone. And um, we hope that uh, you would, I don't know, be a little bit transformed and changed by uh, the <laughs> grace of Christ today to go in through the rest of your day um, thinking about living with the love of Christ towards the people around you, whether that's a spouse or children or um, or church people or co-workers. Um, hopefully the mm. impact of this episode is fuller life in Christ. So yeah. thank you for listening and uh, have a great rest of your week. All right, grace and peace, you guys.